0: Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I would like you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verses 13 through 15. If you're visiting with us this morning, normally I would be standing up at the pulpit um, sharing this with you. But uh, I have been out of the pulpit for the last four weeks with a bulging disc and uh, some pretty severe nerve pain down my right leg Uh, I've come a long ways, much better but also a ways to go yet as I've shared with our leaders I can see the light at the end of the tunnel but I'm not there yet Uh, so I will probably be sitting at a table like this for the next few weeks preaching also if you want to talk to me after the service I'll be down here I won't be out in the foyer because I can't stand very long, um, so, but I'd be glad to talk with you if you don't mind sitting with me down here. I do want to say this, and I'll try to do this quickly. I want to thank you for your prayers. I know there's been a lot of people praying for me over this last month, and I'm very grateful for that. And I have received a whole boat, boatload of cards at home, uh, a whole bunch of cards, and I want to tell you thank you. Um, And if you send a card, I want you to know I do take the time to read through it very carefully. And am very encouraged by each and every card. So thank you for those of you who have done that. I also want to thank the uh, church staff for their graciousness these past four weeks. I have been working for the last four weeks out of my home office. um, But I haven't physically been here at the church. And uh, that's not the same. And so they have been very gracious and very kind in adjusting to that. And I want to say a special, special thank you this morning to Pastor Chad. Uh, He has went above and beyond, really stepped up these last four weeks, preaching the last three out of the four Sundays, um, doing the funeral service we had this past week, which I would have normally done. And so he has been phenomenal, and I really want to thank him for that. And if you haven't had a chance to tell him thank you, uh, I would really encourage you to do so. Well, enough about my situation. Um, Tonight, tonight we have an exciting baptism membership service planned. We have 19 people who are going to be joining our church tonight. Nineteen people will be sharing their salvation testimonies, and I don't know about you, but I'm super excited about that, and that is wonderful. So if uh, you can make it out tonight, I think it will be very encouraging for your heart to, to hear all of these testimonies and to welcome these people to our church family. Well, we are returning this morning to the subject of spiritual warfare If you're a regular part of our church, you are aware that I have been preaching through the book of Ephesians for the last year and a half. Um, And we have come now to Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through 20, that whole section which I started to go through um, slowly and carefully really focusing on two things, spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God. And I know a number of you have pointed this out to me. I did two messages on spiritual warfare and bam, down I went. So um, I have experienced over this past month some spiritual warfare. However, I've had a lot of time to think and a lot of time to pray about this whole subject of the intensity of spiritual warfare in the lives of God's children. And what I'm going through is small, very small, compared to what other Christians are going through. And I know, as a senior pastor, that even right now in our church family, we have some people going through some really intense spiritual warfare in their marriages. I know that. We have some people who um, I would guess, again, I don't, don't know this for a fact, but I'm just guessing among us, we have people really struggling with certain sins and the warfare is intense in your life. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and there's some sin in your life that you're really, really struggling with. And I'm guessing there are people among us who are struggling with spiritual warfare in psychological and emotional ways Um, it is very real very much a part of our lives and so I had these messages a month ago and then next week we're going to start looking at the individual pieces of the armor of God and trying to think in this communion time how to connect them together and there was a passage that I wanted to use in this series and I didn't know where And so I'm using it here, and and that is Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15. And this is a very important passage of Scripture on spiritual warfare. Um, So it's a slight departure from the book of Ephesians, but it has a lot to do with the book of Ephesians. So in Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15, we read, the Apostle Paul writes, And you Well, our first point this morning is the importance of the cross. There is a foundational scriptural principle that must lay the groundwork for all spiritual victory. So here's the big idea of my message this morning. If you remember nothing else, this is what I want you to take away this morning. The spiritual victory of every Christian is found at the cross. The spiritual victory of every Christian is found at the cross. The only reason we have any victory over sin is because of the cross. The only reason we have any victory over Satan and his demonic forces is because of the cross. And this is a really unique passage. And I say that unique in the sense that we really don't find this kind of truth taught in the same way anywhere else. And here in this passage, we find two amazing things happened Because of the cross. Dead men were made alive, and God forgave us all our sins. Dead men were made alive, and God forgave us all our sins. Let's take the first part of that. Dead men were made alive. Verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Before we trusted Christ as Savior, when our hearts were uncircumcised, the Bible says we were spiritually dead, completely separated from God. And this should not be surprising to us, because we have learned this in the book of Ephesians. in Ephesians chapter two and verse one, that famous section there, and it says, "And you and you were dead." in the transgressions and sins in which you once walked. You, that's before you came to Christ. And you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once walked. We as Gentiles, it says in Ephesians 2 verses 11 and 12, it says we were the uncircumcision. Our hearts were uncircumcised because it says that we were separate, separated from Christ without hope and without God in the world. We were a spiritual, you were a spiritual corpse, unresponsive to God. Our lives apart from Christ were dominated by the world, the flesh, and Satan. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, God opened your eyes and God opened your heart to see The marvelous, completely sufficient work of Christ on the cross. And by faith, by faith in his finished work on the cross, our dead souls became alive. When a person, when a man or woman, a boy or girl places their faith and trust in Christ as Savior relying on nothing but the accomplished work of Christ on the cross, when you place your faith in him and what he's done for you, you become alive. You go from spiritual death to spiritual life. So dead men have been made alive. But something else happened. He forgave us all our sins. At the end of verse 13, it says, having forgiven us all our trespasses and I want to emphasize that word all having forgiven all our trespasses all our sins again we shouldn't be surprised by this because we have already learned this in the book of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 it says in him in him meaning Christ in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our sins through the riches of his grace what a great verse In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace. Complete forgiveness is a concept that is beyond human understanding. The, I believe, greatest experiential blessing that any mortal person ever experiences is the forgiveness of their sins. Nothing can compare to it. Knowing that your sins, all your sins are forgiven. David says in Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Blessed. Is that person whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. In Matthew 26, 28, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples, he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So dead men are made alive. And we are forgiven of all of our sins. How did that happen at the cross? How did the cross make that possible? And that's our second point this morning. What happened at the cross? Well, verses 14 and 15 provide us with an important New Testament answer to the question. What happened at the cross? And again, as I said before, we learn something here that we don't learn anywhere else in in, in quite the way we learn it here. In verses 14 and 15, it says, this is how it was done. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Christ. It says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. What is the record of debt? Well, the record of debt is the demands and accusations of the law of Moses. The law of Moses is perfect. It is the perfect standard of a holy and righteous God. The law is good. It is perfect, But on our own, in our own power, by our own ability, we have absolutely no power to keep the law. No ability to live according to the law. So that good law, as we find in the book of Romans, is actually what condemns us. It shows us that we cannot be saved by our own efforts. It shows us that we are sinful, that we are evil that we are now filled with guilt and shame because we were unable to keep the commands of the law. In fact, the Bible says, unless you keep every single provision of the law, the law cannot possibly save you. In Galatians chapter 3, and verses 10 and 11, it says, all who rely, don't miss this, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. So, here's what Paul is saying. You had this record of debt. It is filled with your sins with your guilt, with your shame, with your complete inability to keep the law of Moses, the law of God. And Satan and his demons look at you and they cry out over and over again, guilty, guilty, guilty. And they are right. We are guilty. So, watch the beauty here. God took that document of our debt you know what he did with it? He nailed it to the cross. Isn't that amazing? He nailed it to the cross by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He nailed it to Jesus and placed it upon him. And in nailing that document to the cross, he disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ so here again is the thought at the cross when Jesus died and rose again here's what happened for you for those who have placed their faith and trust in the accomplished work of Christ on the cross your debt was fully paid By Jesus. The law was completely fulfilled for you. In Jesus. And God's wrath and punishment were completely satisfied. In Jesus. And so Satan. And his demonic hosts. Were left speechless. And powerless. That's what it means. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. And put them to open shame. Because Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Oh, we may continue to wrestle, and we do. And that's what we're going to spend a lot of time on over the next couple of months. We continue to wrestle with Satan and his demonic forces. But know this, and this is so important to this whole series. Their complete defeat was secured at the cross. Their complete defeat was secured at the cross. And what Satan and his demons want to do to you constantly is to cause you to forget what happened at the cross. To try to do it on your own. To constantly live with your guilt and with your shame even though Christ has completely taken care of that. So, spiritual warfare is constantly reclaiming our identity in Christ. It is reclaiming what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. So as we share the Lord's Supper together this morning, God wants us to be humbly overwhelmed with the power of the cross, humbly overwhelmed with how important the cross is. As we share the bread and the cup together, let us praise God for the cross. There is a story that's told about Napoleon Bonaparte when he was trying to conquer the world, that he was at a meeting with his generals, and he laid out a map of the world, and he said, Men, I could conquer the whole world if it weren't for that one red dot on the map. And that one red dot was the British Isles, the one area of the world that had fiercely resisted him. And would not allow him to conquer them. Let me tell you folks this morning. Satan stands with his demonic hierarchy. His generals. And he lays out a map of the world. And he says to them. I could conquer the whole world if it wasn't for that one red spot. And that one red spot is the cross of Jesus Christ. That one red spot is Calvary. Because of Calvary, he will never be able to conquer us. Victory and spiritual warfare. Putting on the armor of God is about living in the victory that is already ours because of Christ's death on the cross. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul said this, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. As we take the bread and the cup this morning, I want you to think very carefully. May we all say in our hearts, may I never boast, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together. Before we share the bread together, one of our deacons, Mike Kanaus, will lead us in prayer.
1: Dear Lord, uh, thank you so much for what you've done for us on the cross. And I pray that you would help us to, as we take the bread this morning, to remember, um, because it's so easy to forget, to remember what you've done for us, that you've taken away our sins that you've, you, your body was broken so that we could be made whole. Lord, please help us to remember. And for those who who don't know you this morning, I pray that you would just convict them of their sins this morning to and give them a hope to see that they can believe in you, that you have conquered death, that you've conquered their sin, that it was all nailed to the cross. And just help us to just see what this all sig- signifies this morning, that we can celebrate what you've done for us, and that death is gone, Um, Satan is defeated, that everything has been accomplished. So just help us this morning as we eat the bread to celebrate as a church. and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: As we take the bread this morning, remember, always remember, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Let's eat together. we share the cup together this morning, one of our other deacons, Mark Lutz, will lead us in prayer.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, in your word, there's many examples that point us to you. In Psalms, it says that the heavens and the stars speak to us and the days are in order, but none of these things are done without a voice, but yet it reaches the end of the earth. It also says that he gives us a symbol of your blood in the Old Testament that covers our sin. And today we're thankful that as we have more knowledge of you and more life's uh, exposure, we realize that the blood has many symbols and analogies in life today. We know that blood, gives us health in our bodies, it gives us life and it cleanses us. But we know that ultimately, Your spiritual blood and physical blood was spent for us. It gives us eternal life. It cleanses us from our sin and keeps us close to you. We're thankful that you were willing to be the Lamb of God to shed your blood for the sins of the world because it says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Dear Lord, we reflect on you today and we're thankful for your sacrifice for us. In your holy name, amen.
0: As we share the cup together this morning, let us always remember that God canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He, God, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's drink together.